On May 24, 2019, the New Jersey Devil was asked to remove himself from his place of residence. That request came from his mother. Deep down, he knew she was right. 47 years is too old and too long to remain in her basement. With nowhere else to go, he showed up at the house of his friend, the Georgia Gentleman. Several years earlier, Gent's family had tossed his ass out, requesting that he never return. Can two men from two different generations share a podcast without driving each other crazy? It's easy to grin when that ship comes in and you've got the sports book at the casino beat. But it's really a man who's worth his while who can still muster up a smile when his shorts are too tight in the seat. Welcome to the Devil and the Gen Experience, everybody out there in podcast land. I am the one who struggles mightily with moderation. I am the Jersey Devil. And as always, joined by my obscenely talented millennial producer, the one who holds me down and never back, the Princess Leia to my Chewbacca, the Georgia gentleman, gent, my young overachieving friend. <laughs> I really had a sucky day today. I actually, you know, I had to put in a lot of work today and my brain hurts. Uh, well, what do you mean work? I know your my work's a little bit different than your work lately. I've been putting in nine hour days but putting in 12 hours of work and you know the real world work it can be complicated sometimes so what do you mean you had a hard day today i know you didn't play any golf it was raining outside no no i didn't get to do that kind of work on the links i actually no, i had to i unfortunately i positioned myself so i don't have to be part of that rat race gerbil wheel that <laughs> you find yourself on every day and just rinse lather and repeat put up with a sea of humanity of the stupid and just keep dealing with it every day eight nine ten oh anyway that's making my brain hurt more i'm not going there fortunately i position myself where i don't have to do that too too often for many parts of the year but what did i do today man i'll tell you what i did i got up i paid a couple bills had to go to the store and get some groceries okay was running low on uh horseradish so i got some well i got some oysters coming in later okay so. okay yeah so I needed the horseradish sauce and got a, uh, I think I got a 12 pack of Sierra mist, paper towels, toilet paper, good to go. So yeah, I had, that was it. I had to think of things there. That, that was, that was tough. Random assortment of items too at that. Oh man. If this wasn't enough, I realized I got a new suit and I needed to get it tailored and I had to go home, get the suit, get it out and drive all the way to the tailor shop so well, i had that you're right i'm sorry i said that you didn't have a very hard day today but why well, that you know what I, yeah. I i it shows how much you're growing gent you you your millennial ways are changing you actually developing a little bit of empathy that mm. time it was empathy for the devil there right you were able to recognize i had a hard day rather than just take for granted what i do and i appreciate that well, but i wasn't done yet mm -hmm. i had to go to the i had to go to the horse race i had to go to the off-track betting parlor and do some high-risk investing this afternoon and that's you know that's where i really had to look at a lot of numbers i had to look at a lot of figures and you know you know what they say say liars usually figure and figures <laughs> never lie and the only figure i lie about is my wife's figure and i just keep moving that's what i do <laughs> that's how i put that together but yeah so horse track 
So since we okay, so since we are a sports wagering podcast, we like to call ourselves yes. that sometimes. Do you have a strategy when you go into these OTBs? Yeah. I like colors. No. <laughs> Sometimes I'd be better if I did, but no, we don't do that. And I don't look for the one, you know, oh, look for the horse that just dropped the deuce. I hear that. Not that, you know, supposedly you look for a horse that just, well, I'm not going there trying to grab a burger for lunch and trying to find the horse that's defecating. All right. I'm finding a really grand conflict of interest in that. So I don't do that strategy. I, I keep try to keep it simple and try to look at how the horses have run at that same distance if they've run that if they have experience in the track if the jockeys are on them because the jockeys really make that you know it's really a jockey's game they get hot out there and win races you know dominate races in a day four five six races sometimes so the mm -hmm. jockeys that are hot all right and from there there's other there's all kinds of components you can look at but really i try to be very conservative and like everything we do with the devil and the gent we're advocating just what we call recreational gambling on this, where you're just going on a lunch break for a couple hours on a rainy day, but at least get your bets qualified and give yourself, again, spend a little with a chance to win a lot. So spend a little and make a lot. So along those right. lines, let's get into that a little bit. Okay. All right. So, of course, talk about you're familiar with the win place show bets at a horse track. Just First, second, third. Correct. So you have that standard bet. We can just bet on a horse to win first, second, or third. Before we go into the other ones, though, I want to just talk briefly to our beginners out there, people who don't uh, often go to the horse track, find themselves there on a rainy day, as I did today. You know, a good way to sort of have lunch and do something different out there. And maybe you walk away with some money. But briefly, buy a book. That's the best advice I can give anybody going to the mm -hmm. horse track is buy a book. Buy a program guy. They typically cost $1.50 for all 9, 10, 11 races, however many are being run at that venue. All right? So get yourself a book. You know, we're talking to millennials. Can we buy an e-book? Oh, Can we look at something on our phone, maybe an article? Oh, my hells. Hells, bells, I don't know. I don't know and I don't know. This is again with this shit. Don't get me started. I already had a war with the nest in there trying to make my house so damn cold and I felt like I was sitting on a tin toilet seat in Siberia this morning. So no more of that talk. Just back to the program book. Stay with me, please. We're there. We're interacting with people. You millennials. We're interacting with people. Ask someone. Tip somebody $5 to get you a program book, whatever it takes. Get that. Okay, continue. Continue. All right. Tell good. us about horse betting. Yes. Well, let's let's simplify this. The reason I'm saying in the book, not that you're going to spend a whole lot of time looking at numbers and times and then don't. It's not necessary. For $1.50, okay. what it does tell you is it matches you up. It gives you the best jockeys and the best trainers at each track. It shows you how much money they've won before they have any breakdown of the races in that program book. Now you're armed. Hey, and any of you, you know, young ladies, if you're going out there with any meatheads at the track and think they know what they're doing, everything, you know what? Just follow this. It might surprise them. You might make more money than they do. So you wherever you are, whether at the track or an off-track betting parlor, the Pony Palace, as I like to call it, you get the program book, you match up those jockeys, and then all you have to do, and the trainers look at each race, they clearly show you where the jockeys are and where the trainers are. If mm -hmm. you just go and bet on the horses with that information in mind, you're going to win more often. I mean, those, there's a reason they're the top at the track. They're winning the most. They don't win them all, but if you're betting on them all races, you're really giving yourselves a good shot. And this is for someone who has no other to go on. 
don't start looking at the numbers. Like I said, don't get into that. That's that's too much downline. You can add to it. But but I like the exacta bet. You familiar with what an exacta is? No. How about you explain it to me? All right. Exacta is where you have to pick horses to finish first and second in a race. Okay. And what I what I like to do is you go and you, you match up two favorites from the morning line in the program guide. They show you one horse is two to one. Four to one, five to one, six to one. Take the two favorites. Often one of those two favorites is going to come in first or second. So you take those two favorites and you play them with four or five other horses, which means they can finish first or second in each order. It's mm-hmm. called an exacta. When you box it, it goes both ways. So you play those other four or five horses. That's where you can have some fun with it. Pick one by name. Pick one by your favorite number. Pick one because you like the name of the jock i don't care on that one that's that's where you know you're throwing in four or five different horses with those two favorites you're with your spouse and you tell him or her you know which one do you want to bet on yeah you go let them choose it because everybody likes to have skin in the game so yeah as always get everybody involved in this have fun with it sure so you do that you stick with those exactas and you work that it gives you a lot of chances and opportunity you're not putting all of your eggs in one basket so to speak you're giving yourselves a couple different horses that can have a chance and makes a lot more fun as they're galloping down the post when you have more opportunities than just one or two. So work those exactas and easy peasy going to be uh, easier than selling hand warmers to someone in Ontario. You'll <laughs> clean up, make a few. Well, thank you, devil. That was some good beginning horse betting knowledge that you dropped on us. Um, especially yeah. somebody who doesn't know a whole lot about how you would even go about it. I thought that was really, really good. So thank you for that. Well, good. I hope that was helpful. And we've gotten more requests for that. It's a lot of recreational beginning people out there that yeah. want to be able to hit it up. So, hey, speaking of useful, speaking of knowledge, mm-hmm. let's go back to that little event in France. Yeah, the Women's World Cup. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm going to and I want to ask you and get your take, because obviously I need to take a little trip to uh, Shuddy Town, and you need to take a little excursion to Talky Town because you knew what you were doing. You had you had this World Cup thing nailed down. You took USA when they were plus one forty, and, and yeah. yeah, sent me a picture of the ticket you got. And what were the odds then on the sports book when you took them at one forty? Are the odds? Yeah, so I put down a hundred on. What did you put down? That's something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So put down 100 on Team USA a couple weeks back to for them to win the World, Women's World Cup. And we said it, you know, throughout the podcast, take the home team. Take the United States. They were the favorite. There just wasn't a clear second place team. I said a couple times, take Sweden just because they were at Wait plus. Wait a minute, though. If we mm, take Americans, ahead. right? Yeah. Well, how the hell are you confusing people taking the home team? The home team were the France. We, we. I'm talking about the home for us. Us being Americans. Oh, us, us okay. being Americans. Yes. USA, USA. It's easier to root for. Yeah. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, Let's so try. we mentioned like Sweden. They were plus like 20,000 20, or something wild. 20 like to the, 1. 21, exactly. We yeah. were talking about everything you bet because you you said you wanted to put $100 down just because you felt good about that. Yeah. And you put that $100 ticket and then you cashed it and you got to bring home what? Yeah, so $240. Yeah. So... Nice payout because you look at it as always. You're always very much if it's in my pocket and I buy a ticket in a sports book for a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. That's going. That's spending money. And then I just root like hell. That way you're never disappointed. And yeah, you got to bring that after dropping that hundred. You got to bring a two forty home for a nice one hundred back and a hundred forty profit. What, what type exactly, of rest? Yeah. What type of restaurants you go to that night? 
And why the hell wasn't I invited, more importantly? <laughs> An uh, American restaurant. How about that? Okay. Had some Bud Diesels. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. By the way, so the, for those of you that saw on Instagram, the American team was celebrating hard in the locker room with Bud Diesel and stuff. That was pretty fun to watch. But back to the soccer on that, um, just recapping the World Cup game a little bit. You never want to see a team lose on a PK. Alex Morgan was uh, – she was in the penalty box and she got – there was a high kick by Netherlands, pretty much, and they went to right. the they went to the VAR, and the replay was such a big impact in this World Cup, which kind of changed like everything. I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. kind of the replay landscape, everything in Lance sports. Got, yeah, in the future. I mean, you know, older people talk about how they hate replay, and younger people talk about how I mean, they kind of hate. I think everybody kind of hates it to an extent. But anyways, regardless, the PK was called. Rapino scored the PK. They went up one nothing, and. If you're a United States fans, I don't think anybody was happy. They wanted them to get another goal, and then Rose Lavelle came in later in the game and put the U.S. two to nothing, put the U.S. up two to nothing, and they they just felt like comfortable throughout the entire entire tournament. Yeah, right. there, there were some hiccups, but they had it in the bag, and it's because there wasn't a clear second place, you know, right. a strong competitor that can compete against a juggernaut like USA in the Women's World Cup. As limited as my knowledge was, it was once they got by England, I felt like that was yeah. that was there. That was the like, narrative too. The, Right, I guess tied in USA back in 1980, right? That yeah. little thing at Lake Placid. Well, oh yeah, you weren't born, but for those of you out there, were the greatest hockey game ever. I've seen the movies. When, yeah, see, right? Great Kurt movies, Russell. actually. Yeah, Kurt Russell did a good job in that one. Tearjerkers, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we're getting way off. What do we do <laughs> this? We ramble. So that was when America. Everyone thought that America beat Russia. That were just professionals. That it wasn't. That wasn't the final game. Sweden they, or Finland. Correct. I don't even know. Yeah. The point is, I know that they beat the Russians and then had to beat somebody. And I'm just trying to draw the comparison to I felt like when the women beat England, that was their Russia game. Yeah, it was a foregone conclusion. They knew they were going to get it done and had enough to make sure that the will was enough and take out Netherlands. Hey, so for you, Odag acolytes, listen to our future bet sometimes. We get them right. Yeah, <laughs> we're on a run. Absolutely, we and run, we appreciate yeah. you. Speaking of Odeg Accolades, got a couple to call out here. Okay, right? yeah, give it to me. One in particular. I got a guy who is just nailing soccer bets, and we're cleaning up on soccer after this one, but I've saved the best for last. I got a guy, all right? Oh, you were telling me about this before the show. This is an obscure bet, yes. by the way. If you have nothing yeah. to bet, look at USL League One, USL Championship. It's the league right below MLS Major League Soccer in the United States. And if you're interested, this team, Me New Mexico United. Okay. New Mexico United is kind of like us, gent. They're this little tiny operation. First year started in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Had a goal to have 5,000 people in the seats most nights and see where they went. They've exploded. They lead the league there in Albuquerque. Shout out, flat out shout out, number one, to the guy putting me on this story. All right, and that would be Robinson Caruso Ford, we'll call this guy because he's 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 making he's making coin on Me New Mexico United, New Mexico United. He's making bank on it by calling it. He's the one that you know. Twitter hit me up on that Twitter tweet account. All right, and let mm -hmm. me know, and I started researching. Great story, really is transcends just soccer. Great story what they got going on that little New Mexico United. And thanks again to my man. Robbie Ford on that, putting us onto that. But yeah, check it out. And they play on the anyway. It's a long story, but they play an obscene amount of games coming up on the road. And it seems like this little team has got a big chip on their shoulder. They have to go on the road. Why? Because they weren't even thought of to have their own stadium. They're sharing the ballpark with the world famous 
Albuquerque Isotopes, all right, mm-hmm. which is a triple-A minor league baseball team. And because of scheduling conflict with them, they're going to play more on the road than usual. And the thought is they got a real, the inside info, the inside scoop brought to you again by our guy. They got a lot, a lot of things to play for on the road, big chip on the shoulder, really to make a run. They've captured the entire hearts of New Mexico. And it's kind of like just a real good feel good story. Yeah. I can see a whole state rallying around them to this case is what it sounds like to me. So, so they're, know- they're the heavy underdog. On the road, you're saying that? Yeah, the, I looked okay. up the first game, and they were an underdog on the road. I believe it was like five to one. So th- there you go. But just yeah. look for that if you're into that and you're into soccer. But it makes a heck of a story. Just someone look up. And we really want to get a shout out to the team itself. So anybody that has any connection, if they can get hooked up with us on our Twitter account, does that work? Yeah. Can, yeah, can they do that? Us. Yeah. Maybe our guy can maybe try to reach out and talk to some of their people and maybe they'll want to talk to us. Maybe we can even have them on in a podcast, see how that rolls and give them a little feature story. Yeah. Just a a good sports story. story. Oh yeah. yeah. Just a good sports story. All right. Moving on. What else is a great sports story? Well, we got America's pastime (laughs) coming up tomorrow, right? You've been looking a little bit at that one, Jen. Yeah. A little bit into the all-star game, you know, um, as far as betting goes, I think the most intriguing thing that sticks out to me is, um, taking the over it's seven and a half runs right now or eight or no, it's eight and a half runs right now. Excuse me. So eight and a half runs. You're betting on a, what a five, four ball game, a six to three ball game. Yeah. I think with the way teams are hitting this year, I think, I think that it's, it's pretty much almost, I don't want to say guarantee, but take the over anyways. It's just going to make for a more funner game anyways. And it's, you said that over under was eight and a half, correct? eight and a half. Yes. Okay. So this is for the all-star game, which is tonight. Tuesday night, where they were playing thing? Cleveland, Ohio. The city that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But is Cleveland, Ohio a launch pad, so to speak, Jen? What's your baseball knowledge? You'd... You know, it's hard to even, it's hard to call one park, ballpark this year unless it's Yankee Stadium, no offense, a launching pad. Yeah. But I would say no. I would say it's not a launching pad, but it's it's hard to say who has a heavy favorite, but I think I'm going to lead towards the NL. They've just had less replacements this year, too, than the AL. So so you got the National League. Yeah, we're going with the National League. And it's just a straight up, I, I assume, minus 110 or something or close to that. Exactly, yeah. All right, so we go the National League to win the game. Yeah, it's pretty much 50-50 odds, I guess you could say. All right, and, and you're going to go with over 8.5 because who – the hell doesn't want to tune into an all-star game and not want to root for the dinger. Nobody wants a one nothing all-star game. No, and you get a couple pitchers out, don't you? Yeah. A couple key pitchers out of the game, starters. I mean, they all pitch like an inning or two, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I... Make a difference? Yeah, to an extent. Uh, I, so you see, the NL has less guys out than the AL right now, right? Okay. And I think the NL has a stronger bullpen. You know, the AL has a Raldis Chapman... Hold on, I gotta hit pause. By the way, we're calling this the "Gotta Have Action" segment because we're talking about <laughs> yeah, we're talking games. about an All Star game, and and we're picking winners based on attrition. Quite frankly, gent, I feel is the, the the key analysis by who isn't playing. So yeah. Anyway, continue. Who's out? Yeah. So for for the NL, you know, you have, you have Max Scherzer out, but you have a handful of like solid guys for the AL that are going to be out pitching wise, and then the NL, I think they just have a. A better bullpen. They have guys that are. They have Kirby Yates, who leads the NL in saves for the Padres, thirty-one saves on the year. He's probably going to close out the game. They have the uh, Ryu from 
or however you say his last name from the Dodgers, and he's the best pitcher in baseball right now. Along with him, you have Kershaw. He's probably they're probably going to eat up the first three innings, and mm. it's it's pretty easy to say they're not going to give up a run or even a hit, just the way that they've been throwing the ball this year. Ryu's best pitcher in the NL has like a one point one three or something crazy like that ERA. But um, anyways, enough of stats. It's just I think yeah. I think the NL has the the better starters and relievers. I think the AL has more maybe quality starters, you could say, but are how are those guys going to be when they come in in the sixth inning when they're used to starting a game? You know, their preparation's so different, and it's an all-star game. I was just going to say. You never know what's going to happen. To a degree, we're kind of getting into, like... Analytics well, about it, yeah. Quite quite frankly, to, to all our listeners out there, I, I feel like we've kind of delved into the world of pure jackassery, breaking down <laughs> the analytics of an all-star game the way we have. So let's just do this. We feel National League, yeah. National League... For attrition, if no other reason, all right, is, is is the team to roll with, and on the even bet, and you're saying take the over the eight and a half. Yep. Well, you know what? The devil will abide with both of those wagers. Just to make that game a little more interesting tomorrow for myself. Yeah, I think. Uh, excuse me, tonight, Tuesday night. I I I'll roll with you on that. Okay. Good. Okay. Good. Yeah. Hoping we'll for get, a lot of home runs. It's too. A gotta have action. If you gotta have action, there you go. Now I gotta save face because speaking of saving face, huh? Well, I think speaking of face getting pounded, well, speaking of a lot of stuff that, quite frankly, was less than thrilling for me. That damn UFC two thirty nine was a I I I did not have a positive experience. Yeah, I know you're not the biggest UFC guy, right? Well, let me just break it down real quickly. Yeah, okay. And then we're going to bring in our guy who's going to eat some crow for uh, in addition to bringing some crass to our show, which we won't go further into. Uh, one for three, not bad. He gave the guarantee to the yeah. handout. But, but you know, the first one was just the, the fight that I was talking about. There was a five-second fight. Here was my, yeah, here was it was, my write-up, it, okay? Mm. Here it is, everybody. Five seconds. This dude comes flying with some ninja type move. This is the older journeyman flying with some ninja type move. Leaps up. The younger wrestler who looked like he was not old enough to shave even once a week. The the, the young wrestler dominated guy straight out of college takes the knee to the head. All right. Then then the after the guy is on this guy comes at him like a spider monkey and throws a pair of jaw rockets to finish off a limp body on the mat. If this is sports and this and this is enjoyable, this happened in four seconds, by the way. Yeah. Which is a whole other thing. You're spending money on watching some uh, four seconds. I just spent three times longer talk, telling you what happened than watching what actually happened. And watching a dude who, God, I just hope that he's alive. I hope that he's awoke by now. And, and then I hope he's well. Because that was just, quite frankly, some barbaric shit that went down that night and then the octagon and yeah i'm not sold yet on the on the ufc i'm willing to give everything a chance here at the devil and the gent and and when it comes to being a slow time of year what sports we can promote and look at I, i'm willing to give it a chance but they're gonna have to up their game a little bit that was uh i could make some how far away are we from the roman coliseum you know when and that kind of stuff and gladiators and fight to the death i mean are we getting to that point because that was that was tough. It was tough watching that. Anyway, you're more of that that uh, genre than me, so you you talk about it. Yeah, well, what what the devil over here is referring to is that was Ben Askren getting knocked out within the first five seconds by Jorge Masvidal, and 
Ben Askren, he's kind of a, I guess, a newbie to UFC. He, he has 18 wins, I think only one loss. And he came in as the, not a heavy favorite, but a favorite, certainly against Jorge Masvidal. And Masvidal just came in five seconds, you know, knocked him out. So we, we're going to talk about that. Uh, in the next segment, and we're going to talk about that along with Holly Holm getting knocked out by Amanda Nunez, and then the pick that we did get right, and that was John Jones being the heavy favorite over Thiago Santos. So coming up next, we have the Ohio Nut on with yeah, us. Yeah, and the Ohio Nut, and you're going you're gonna to do that interview with him, and I'm just going to step off and get myself a beverage, and you just make sure that he knows he's really, 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 really lucky that he at least got that main event fight called right. Because if he had pulled the offer, <laughs> if the Ohio nut would have called the offer, let's say we would just have to bust a nut. He, <laughs> he, he'd, he'd have to be done. Tell, tell him, make sure he's fully aware of that. I'm here with our, our formerly known as crazy hockey guy, happy UFC guy. He's now calling himself, and we're now calling him the Ohio nut. <laughs> Big Buckeye fan over here, but... More importantly, he he helped us out with some UFC bets, gave dropped some hockey knowledge on us last episode. So, the Ohio Nut, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm not I'm not too happy about the outcome of uh, this weekend's event, but I mean, you win some, you lose some, so that's it. How are you there, Georgia Gent? I'm doing well too. You know, it like you said, you win some, you lose some. May have caught a bad break, who knows? But we let's start with the good first. John Jones, you were we were all confident on that one. You know, John Jones, heavy favorite in that fight, and took care of things pretty easily. Yeah, he was a yeah. heavy favorite. You know, honestly, I'll I'll tip my hat to Tiago Santos. Mm-hmm. He fought he fought his ass off. I mean, the guy was fighting on a bum knee. You know, he was still throwing bombs at John Jones. And when it comes down to it, the card, John Jones threw less and landed more. And that's why he ended up winning the fight, which is which is historically what John Jones has done. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. But, you know, in my mind, Tiago Santos, he's the number one contender in the light heavyweight division. I mean, that that hands down to me is it. But, you know, John Jones, he didn't win, like I said, you know, in uh, hands down fashion. But yeah. he, he won. And, and it was steady. It was. It was a very it was a very steady fight. And he, you know, he got the job done. Not how a lot of viewers wanted to see it. But but that's it. I mean, but I mean. We have a lot of fights to talk about. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's switch from from that fight and let's go let's go to the big women's fight: Amanda Nunez versus Holly Holm. Uh, Amanda Nunez ended up getting the knockout. I think everybody was maybe a little bit surprised by that. I mean, I, I, you could say that people were surprised by that. <laughs> you could say that people were surprised by that. You could say that they weren't. First of all, I want to tip my hat to uh, Nunez. You know, she knocked Holly Holm out the way Holly Holm knocks people out. Yeah. You know, and a, and a lot of times you don't see that, you know, especially in UFC fights. You know, you see people grind it out, get get a close win, especially against someone that's matched up against that they, they've never seen that before. You know, mm-hmm. Nunez hasn't seen a kickboxer like, like Holly Holm. And, you know, for her to step in the cage, and by the way, yeah, Holly Holm was winning the first round, hands down, right yeah. before that kick to the head. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll uh, I'll tip my hat to Nunez. That that was a uh, a great call. She she fainted. Holly Holm dropped her hands and she kicked her in the head. And and you know, 
in the end of things, it's that's game over in the UFC. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But in in Holly Holm being the being the underdog too. I mean, you know, that's yeah. a, that's you're a risk going in there. But you you'd probably bet Holly Holm again, wouldn't you? In that fight, being the underdog. Yeah, I would because you know, you, you know, and we haven't talked about it yet. It's the same thing with the Ashkin fight. You know, I would bet Holly Holm. You know, it was plus two eighty. She's a good fighter. She has some notable wins. She also has some losses that don't look very good on her record. But, you know, Nunez, they're calling the, the best in her division and even maybe the best in women's UFC ever. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's tough. That's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah and let's get into the Askren Masvidal fight. Oh, that goodness. was a wild. That was probably the wildest outcome of the night, I guess. The most unexpected outcome. Absolutely. Askren being not a heavy favorite, but he was a favorite. He was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, Askren, like I said, I said in the episode before, you know, he's he's a two-time, two-time NCAA wrestling champion. And if you if you did watch the fight, as soon as the fight started, you know, Mazdaval came sprinting in and immediately Askren was going for the legs and ducked his head, took a knee to the face and it was game over. And, and you know, that that's almost like splitting tens on a blackjack table. Mm. You know, splitting tens on a blackjack table, you, you never know what's going to lay. You know, <laughs> Mazaval misses that knee. That fight might go three rounds. Yeah. But Mazaval landed that knee, and we have the fastest knockout in UFC history. And if you put money on Ashgren or you put money on Mazaval, it doesn't matter. That's still, you know, if you watch the fight, you watched history. And the UFC has been going on since, you know, before I can remember. Yeah. You know, it, it, that that was just, you know, it was something huge. And um, it's just tough. You know, I, I uh, my I, my picks that, you know, I, I lost money that day. It, it, it was uh, not a good day. The, the prop bets, though, if you if you bet the prop bets on the rounds. And yeah, whatnot, I wanted to get into that. I know that you can you can kind of, you know, make up money through absolutely. prop bets. How, so what would be your strategy? Like, what was your strategy for you UFC know, 239? The, the prop bets there, you know, if you took the Askren and Mazdaval fight, I, I think the over under for that fight was like. Minus and plus one and a half rounds. Right. So if you took the under on that fight, you know it was plus like two forty or something. Mm-hmm. You know it, it. That's that's where you make your money up if you bet Ashgren or not. You know, um, the Holly Holm fight and the Nunez fight. I think that was like that was a title fight, so it was five rounds. I think the over under on that might have been like three. Mm-hmm. So even then, you know, it, it's. It's a crapshoot, but I mean that that's that's kind of where you make your money up, you know. A lot of people, a lot of people were diamond in that that fight was going to end up in a knockout or a TKO of some type, and uh, they would have been right. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, the John Jones fight and the Tiago Santos fight, you know, me personally, I wouldn't have, I would have never thought that that fight was going to go five rounds, but it ended up going five rounds. So if you bet that way, you would have won some money. And, and that's that's where you make up your money in those UFC fights is is betting the prop bets. So, I mean. Well, that's, that's all great information from the Ohio nut. And we're going to move on after that. But thank you for being on here. We're going to have you on for hopefully more throughout throughout the summer and then throughout the fall, talking UFC, talking a little hockey too. I Looking hope Looking forward so. to it. Well, thank you, George Gent. Thanks, man. Take care. Absolutely. So... There I was today and headed to one of the venues I had to 
run an errand at, and I had a, a younger person, probably your generation, you know, millennial, mm-hmm. right around that, right around that know-it-all type generation, walking <laughs> around with you. You know, might as well say apathy. Get it. Tattoo just says apathy across all your forehead. <laughs> Differences make. No emotion, nothing. Anyway, he actually kind of looked up, said, hey, I like your flow. I was really confused and I was really concerned. Well, were you rapping to him? Did he like your flow rapping or do you like your, your hair maybe? See, you're going places I didn't even go. All I went was back to the doctor's office two weeks ago, and the doctor told me he liked my flow, and I was saying, oh, thank you. I thought that was good news then. I mean, a doctor liking my flow is a really good thing. This dude did not look like a doctor, and I don't think he was old enough to have the credentials, so he wasn't talking about that. You're going another way now with that, but okay. Anyway, <laughs> no, he was talking about my clothes, just about how different oh, references okay. are. and different. Nice. He was talking about, well, because, you know, I do tend to try to match up things and well, quite frankly, I always say that when you when you're lacking in substance, you got to really put on all the bells and whistles. So I at least try to dress presentable, look good, and cover up for that, you know, shortcomings in the substance department with how I look. So I do tend to match things. Yeah. But there's another saying it's like lipstick on a pig or something like that. I think. Hey, I'm not talking <laughs> about your dates. Okay, <laughs> I'm not talking about your high school dating scene. You leave that to yourself. Touche. Yeah. No, don't bring that. We don't need any. No, never mind. <laughs> All right. Speaking of pure jackassery. Okay. We're the devil and the gent. And when you grow up, you want to be.